so uh, expressing concern to your lawyer is it part of the gangster rap genre no that is that is um stupidity and that's probably probative but all this shit about them holding guns and money in a rap video from the smallest room in new york city comes a show that gives you a reason to live there are places more poor there are places more crowded but there's no place more desperate than the most desperate place on earth times square crossroads of the world you can get busy working or you can get busy dying if you want to make a living in the crosshairs of the whore. Characters work there. The Times Square mascots. Lovable characters. You bring your kids to Times Square and they can see Elmo. And they can see Spider-Man. Cookie Monster. For just a little while they can live in a world where all their favorite characters are street beggars. It's just a job. Some people make up their own thing. Marijuana Man. Because he can often be seen wearing a cannabis leaf costume. Holds a sign that says legalize marijuana. Need money for weed? He was seen selling $5 worth of pot to a Times Square Iron Man in front of Toys R Us. Officers were forced to make an arrest. Genesis 112. I have given you all the seed-bearing plants on the earth to use. But man engineered the shit without seeds. Grown in water. Sold in packets. Under names like Blueberry Satan and all available for delivery in America's largest city, world's loneliest town. I welcome now criminal defense attorney Jim Polk. Hello. What are the weed laws here? Um, well, it's, it's, uh, they're pretty lenient compared to a lot of places. Um, possession, simple possession, not in public view, is a violation uh, as long as the possession is under 25 grams, which okay. is a significant amount. It's about a quarter bag of weed. Okay. Um, as long as it's not in view, it's, a, yeah, it's just it's, a violation. And in addition, you actually need three of those violations before it would even raise to the level of where you could even be incarcerated on that. Okay. So it's, and uh, it's also a mandatory, what's called adjournment and contemplation of dismissal, your first marijuana arrests. Now, what if you're smoking in public? Smoking in public is a B misdemeanor. Um, that is a possession in public view. In addition, though, that also has the provision of a mandatory ACD your first time, which means the case would be adjourned six months. If you don't get arrested in that six-month period, it is summarily dismissed. Okay, and you would not have to go to jail for the night, or you might? You you might in a public view situation, because that is a misdemeanor. It's an arrestable offense. Technically, you could be incarcerated up to uh, 90 days on it, but it's 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 a bit of an anomaly in the law because the law states that they must give you an ACD your first arrest. Oh, uh, so it, that's why there's always some uncertainty with the weed. And uh, now, actually, I believe Ken Thompson in Brooklyn has said that they will no longer be arresting for petty amounts of marijuana. Yes, on my honor. We won't do it. I don't trust any of those people. In the Bronx, a gun runner who rolls. The 550-pound gangster indicted the accused kingpin of gun-running ring. Yes, accused kingpin of gun-running ring. 33-year-old William Wobble Solar arrested when he allegedly sold 93 guns to an undercover cop. Huh. The obese kingpin, said by prosecutors to be the ringleader of nine gun-runners, also nabbed for conspiracy to murder a rival gang member. Uh, Wobbles is gigantic. Yeah, he's like 600 pounds, right? Yeah, and, and and looks every bit of it. Yes, yeah, he's he's a gross-looking person. He has uh, often photographed himself uh, clutching guns 
Uh, he looks like he's about to eat those guns. Well, I mean, you know, it's certainly if if you're going to be a tough guy and you're his size, you you better hope you roll on the guy, or you should probably carry a gun because if this turns into a physical battle, uh, <laughs> the almost anyone else in the world is going to last longer than you will. <laughs> well, there were logistical problems in the arraignment. I'll be- well, they always I've always seen these big fat guys when they're arraigned, and they usually need several sets of handcuffs. Because <laughs> you can't get them all the way together behind their backs. Oh, right. You have to make a charm bracelet. Kind yeah. Of like fast fail. Yeah, this 550-pound man's uh, wheelchair wouldn't fit through the elevator. <laughs> Couldn't even get into Bronx Criminal Court. So what they have to do? Like carry him up the stairs? Well, they had to do it outside. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Not they outside. brought the judge down. <laughs> he, was, he was actually arraigned in, a cramp, uh, arraigned in a cramped space in front of the facility where prisoners are held. Uh. That's yeah. great. He's on a double-wide wheelchair, remarked Judge George Villargas. He said in the 12 years on the bench, he'd never seen anything like it. <laughs> he says it's basically a love seat on wheels. <laughs> well, that's charming. His dad, Jesse, said he's also diabetic. He said... No shit. Yeah. <laughs> Does he, he have any heart problems? Thanks. Well, he had a heart attack <laughs> a month ago. And there's parts of his body that are just now finding out. <laughs> faces a 367 count indictment that's that's a big indictment right? that's that's a it's a, a big indictment now uh what are his chances of of beating any of this that's uh gun gun running is never uh good guns carry ma- simple possession of an illegal firearm carries a mandatory minimum of three and a half years okay if he did them on different dates he could be looking at consecutive times so even on the minimum if all 300 of those are guns i mean take the mandatory minimum is three and a half times three hundred. So he's going away if they forever. Went consecutive. I mean, you could give them all. You can give them all concurrent, but he's he's probably going away for a long time if they have good evidence on this. Yeah, one. probably go away for life. The three and a half years. Yeah, <laughs> he might not last that long. Uh, the guns are that run. three and a half years. Realistically, could be a life. <laughs> they come guy. from Westchester, Connecticut, and Maine. They come into the city where they're dealt out of two Bronx apartments. He has two apartments. Uh, and uh, that's where he runs his guns out of in the Bronx. Curious it didn't go federal, because this crossed state lines. Um, he's uh, remanded without bail. Yeah. Well, Melissa Mark Viverino, elected to the city council, 2006, selected by city council members to speaker, 2014. Blown in on a de Blasio wind, called fiercely liberal by the New York Times. That's saying something. Yeah, and the Times calls you fiercely liberal. It's like A-Rod saying, kind of a juicer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. 45-year-old Melissa Mark Viverito, the post-city uh, council speaker, often considered the second highest, uh, uh, the, the, it's considered the second highest uh, elected official, right? She's got HPV. Uh, oh, does HPV. She? <laughs> Right. This is how that was supposed to sound. 45-year-old Melissa Mark Viverito, the post city council speaker, often considered the second highest. She's got HPV. It's incumbent upon me as a journalist to once again report that Melissa Mark Viverito has high-risk HPV. She mentioned it on Twitter. Did she now? A yeah. lot of people do. Which that is a good way. That's a, It's funny because Twitter is what I used uh, to tell my girlfriend that she had HPV. <laughs> Well, and you know, I mean, if something's on Twitter, that's huge. I mean, yeah. Twitter only picks up the biggest stories. It's not yeah. like any idiot with a computer can be say something Her on Twitter. Her tweet uh, at recent hashtag GYN visit. Alarm to find out. Last one two years ago. Well, she let's let a little time get by there. Friday got call uh, results told have high risk HPV biopsy needed ASAP. 
HPV is the most common STI in the U.S. Yep. Affecting about 14 million women and men a year. Very easy to get. I'm not really sure if I agree with the word affecting in the case of men. Yeah, it almost does nothing to us. It has no effect, except, you know, to like kind of... Uh, so Except for girls get mad at us. We have to learn about it, really. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the, the, the result of the disease. Uh, Mark Viverito carries a felted change purse, a small portrait. I mean, you really did your research on this A small portrait of El Che, tattooed above the speaker's vertically smiling, high-risk papaya. <laughs> El Che? Yes. Who's as, Che? That's uh, Che Rivera. Oh, Che Guevara. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it's always good to, to 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 carry a charm bracelet of a mass murderer. As, as a speaker, she says things uh, things often uh, that are often uh, pictured. You know, because you know there's a picture over there, and then she'll see. Uh, she's always talking. She's a speaker. That's well, her we've job. covered her previously. Wasn't she involved in the Great Chicken War? The Chicken War. Oh yeah, she's the one who who allegedly ha- uh, painted the chicken on the side of the building. Yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if she's actually into. Uh, I mean, she seems like she would do that to freak somebody. Well, she out. carries pictures of a, of of a Latin American revolutionary. No, she's no. Who see, also this is, I allege is a. Is a, a I want you to listen closely to that paragraph. Uh, Mark Viverito carries a felted change purse, a small portrait of El Che tattooed above the speaker's vertically smiling. Holy shit! High yeah. risk papaya. Okay, no, that that yeah, I didn't listen carefully. That's all in theory, by the way. I can't. I have no proof of that. Oh, you're just making this shit up. It's artistic license for the people that are really <laughs> paying attention. Was this because she's ultra liberal? You just you just you assumed. Well, yeah, from years of experience that she has, yeah, El Che tattooed on her on her on her pussy. Uh, now her uh, office. By the and and, and I want to say. By this the about, way, we may have really just crossed the line between uh between satire and outright slander. What are you talking about? <laughs> we may have done this. How to so? Allege that she has this tattoo with well, absolutely I know, I, no proof. Well, well, it's labeled artistic license. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you you salvaged it, but uh, had you allowed me to proceed on that? Well, yeah. It's look. <laughs> it, hey, I know exactly what I need to do in order to you know retain my integrity as a journalist at all times. And, <laughs> She she talks a lot, and her face. You ever you look at her her expression? You know, in the paper. Oh, I've see, seen her yeah, a lot. Yes, it, it's like a, a person struggling to maintain contact with reality. Is what she looks like. You think? I, I think she just looks like a. I, I'm I'm very surprised she is of of Hispanic descent because to me she looks like just your average Upper East Side yuppie. Right. Well, those are the people that that I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, I mean it's it's there's something with her that's that's kind of crazy you know like her face looks legit nuts yeah, yeah she does I look think a might little be, off it I might be the ones it might be the ones they pick you know they well, they, yeah. they they pick a photo they they, they kind of go well, that's going to be this person's personality they're going to we're always well, well use let's these. also let's also preface this you prefer for your source of news for new york city uh, the new york post if i'm correct i do but who has never been a very big fan of miss viverito yeah but uh, daily news i read all the time too and it's the same thing they're not the greatest on her either they're not quite as hostile as the post yeah i mean i, I i've i'll confess i it's, i'm even sadder i largely get my news from you <laughs> so um, <laughs> No. So I really get it filtered. That's so what I don't everybody know what they, should be doing. I don't know what the what what uh, she looks like in a in a publication that might be more favorable to her. God bless you, Jim Polk. <laughs> yeah. Her office is working on a proposal that would transform. Well, I I need to catch you up on this. That's yes, some yes. of the most common criminal offenses. She, they, she wants to turn those into crim into civil charges. Now, yes, her official proposal included um, seven crimes. 
public consumption of alcohol, public urination, riding a bicycle on the sidewalk, being in a park after dark, failure to obey a park sign, uh, littering, and unreasonable noise. So I guess on any of these, they could right now arrest you, ask for your ID. They can, you know, and they don't always, but they can. Yes. Uh, She wants to make it so you can't. Yeah. You know? uh, Yeah, no, I I saw this. This is, this is, uh, in, in a lot of cities, that's the way it is on offenses like this. Yeah. Yeah, New York is actually more unusual with the arrestability on, on, Violations in which the likelihood of jail is almost nil. But we have a highly developed criminal here. We need a highly developed uh, criminal fighting tool. That's my my take on that. Is that like if these people out here, they're able to like look as if they're normal enough until they're doing, you know, but they will walk around drinking a beer. That's the criminals here. Maybe they're stupider here because they'll, they'll be doing some bad, bad shit and walking around, you know, smoking a cigarette in the subway. This is an animal farm. It's true, though. I mean, what well, do you mean? Of course they are, you know, and as anybody will. I mean, the, there's a phrase in criminal law, we only catch the dumb ones. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's, it's I, I'm actually kind of in favor of this plan. To, even though it, even though it would significant, as, as a citizen, as as a business person, this would significantly impact my earnings. So. Okay, well, I I don't think all these crimes are in the same kind of category. I, I agree. Oh, uh, she says uh, uh, we have a situation right now where we have low-level, non-violent offenses that are being treated in a court of law. Police Commissioner Bill Bratton, intent on policing quality of life crimes, part of his overall broken windows style of policing. Under no circumstances will I, as police commissioner, support anything that weakens the ability of my officers to police and keep the city safe, Bratton said. The problem with broken windows policing is that, uh, well, around 88% of the lower-level offenders can't afford bail. Yeah. They have to spend time in jail. Yep. Well, that seems unreasonable to have to spend time in jail over riding a bike on a sidewalk. Well, maybe not that one, because... uh, some of these Well, no, I mean, sometimes... I mean, my encounters with some bicyclists in New York City, I sometimes think... Riding a bike, period, should be punishable by death. <laughs> by <laughs> death, yeah. We need to up it, if anything. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's... it's It is annoying. And I've never, and this will be frank, I've seen people in jail over public urination. I have seen people be held overnight over unreasonable noise situations, over jumping turnstiles, things like that. I've never seen one on a bicycle offense actually be arrested and taken to jail. Yeah, but, you know, that's just... I don't. I don't know why that is, but I. I do know that people. I. I as far as taking a league goes, I, I don't have any problem with them having the ability to take you to jail for that because it all depends on where you're urinating. What do you? What you know? What? I mean, well, how co- public is your urination? You know. Well, and also, if if your urination is frankly too public, you've actually gotten into an indecent exposure charge, which, which is a full-on misdemeanor. I mean, they can or like, public lewdness. It either. seems like they might be able to sort of like just take you to jail for that and charge you know, if they really want right. to arrest you and get I, you off the street. I mean, if you're like hiding in an alley with your back to outside, not many people walking by, and you're taking a piss, I really don't have a problem with you not being allowed to be arrested for that. But I mean, you know, if you're waving your dick around Times Square as everybody is pissing. Yeah, yeah. You know? Usually, you know, the by the time you are like inebriated enough to urinate in public and not find a bathroom inside, usually your judgment is impaired enough to right. not really care where you are that much. You right. see people doing like a, you know, right? You could have walked over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the mayor uh, has thoughts about this. My concern is always to maintain quality of life policing because it has driven down crime. Because we always want to know what the mayor thinks. Uh, The mayor's move last year to deal with possession of small amounts of pot with a summons instead of an arrest has been linked to an uptick in violent crime. That's pretty absurd. According according to Bratton. 
Well, he says we we just see marijuana everywhere when we make these arrests, uh, when we get these guns off the street. He said an influence in almost everything that we do here. Weed does has has an influence. So he he thinks it's pretty important. Yeah, he, he like always all these, has. All these people. It's all the it's the reefer. It looks as if the mayor in Bratton might see an upside to decriminalizing some of these offenses. After all, though, it'll unclog the courts a little, minimize people's interaction with the criminal justice system. Uh, public consumption of alcohol, bicycling uh, on the sidewalk, and the park things. You know, failure to obey and, and, and then after dark. The speaker says, we are unwavering. Those who believe in our criminal justice system needs to be more fair and balanced. And police would no longer make arrests for those offenses. Well, what do you? So, so you think all those are good to go? Huh? You, you, you I, I think keeping the, the the taking a piss one, and maybe even uh, that they, they should be able to arrest you for the bicycle thing, because because you can really be dangerous that way. Well, the bicycle one I know is, is is sort of a nudge and a wink in the criminal justice. I mean, we all joke about that. Is, is you don't you don't arrest on the bicycle because the only people who ride bicycles like assholes are white people. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's <laughs> if they're riding a bicycle and they're not white people, they're usually a you know food deliverer. But um, it's uh, I'm just you know I mean you know obviously a gross generalization, but yeah. that is you know what I mean. Yeah. Anybody who lives here knows what I mean. I mean, it's just yeah, we've experienced it that way. Yeah, and um. But no, I mean, realistically, I don't have a problem with decriminalizing because it really has gotten to a ridiculous extent, the hypercriminality of a lot of things in our society. And I'm, I'm the one who sits at arraignments and I'll sit there at nights when I have a case on and watch the sheer amount of drivel that is just combing through our courts on a daily basis. And mm. by the time somebody actually gets before an arraignment judge, they've likely been held 18 to 20 hours on your tax dollars. Oh, yeah. And it's a huge inconvenience. And it's a huge inconvenience. And it's realistically for something that when the police is even putting the cuffs on nose is a futile end within sight. Um, so I really don't have a problem with it. Now, what we're arguing about here, you and I, are, mm. are semantics, realistically. What should be and what shouldn't be, not whether this policy should go through. Yeah. And that's, and that's I mean, that's why we have legislatures on that. I mean, my attitude is is that actually public urination is one I would probably keep allowed for arresting. Yeah. Um, you know, I would... And I think this could be addressed if we had a police commissioner that the politicians could actually fucking deal with. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Well, no, Bratton? I mean, yeah, Bratton. I mean, Bratton is basically, Bratton is, since he's been commissioner, he's the this absolutely my way or the highway, broken windows, or I will hear nothing else but. Oh, come now. I think he's been very, uh, you know, accommodating and cooperative. He's like yeah. Mr. Handshake. You don't think so? I think he's, I'm, uh, yes, until it actually comes to him being challenged on the idea of that every aspect of this broken windows, which... You know, we ran them out of the city for once before. <laughs> um, you know, and it's it's no, but they don't. And, and he realistically, he's just running for another political office. I think he's going to make a stab at mayor at some point. Well, I wouldn't mind it. I think I, I, I kind of like for Bill Bratton. I sort of like Bill Bratton, and and I really uh, don't. I, you were the one who was like carrying the flag against broken windows. You were saying that that was the uptick in uh, police assaults a little over a year ago. I don't remember saying that. And you did. I'll find the episode. Well, I, I, I've always been a big fan of broken windows. But as a, it, like theoretically, but not like in, in, in every way that they use it, you know, I don't, I, mean, I don't think it I don't think it's very effective. I think it's just a way of cheating on stats. Well, is really all I've ever thought it was. I, I um, think it's empirically successful. I mean, like you well, have no, but that's the problem with the empiricality is, is that it all comes from the self-generated statistics on it. I, I mean, it's it's but what looks better? 
What? A warehouse with a bunch of broken windows. Or you fix the windows. Looks Which better. I guess my attitude of this is that they also always call it, so it's also, I've always hated the title. It's like Rebel Without I, a Cause. I think, kinda, I think it kind of promotes civic pride. Yeah, I, I, except People for People scrubbing the, the graffiti off the walls and shit. Yeah, I mean... Sure. Clean it up. Clean up the cars. I don't. I hate to, you know, like it's it's like the welcome back Cotter era train cars. You know, like yeah, you yeah. Know, all the 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 graffiti, graffiti and shit. Yeah, it's like that's that's scary to to white people. You know, it's scary to me. Well, of course it is. But I mean, you know, my point is is that's really not technically broken windows policing. That's actually utilizing um, city agencies to do what they should be doing anyway. Right. But it goes back to. I mean, arrest the people when they make the first well, if you find somebody spray painting some shit that should be against the law you should arrest for that yeah, I think it's I think it's a tremendous waste of money of little effectiveness well, you're just, but I mean then the other real reality you're just it, pandering to the gangbangers I'm, I'm also telling the truth <laughs> I mean the fact of the matter is is it's it's I mean you'd barely have a police force that can do anything else but this and I mean, you you can catch Waddles because he's not going to get away but I mean does this city really feel Waddles. safer it sure as shit doesn't to me well, it, you know, safer than what? I mean, were you... Were, then even the, the Ray the, Kelly administration, which I was not a fan of either. Well, I mean, I don't... He was a, he was big on broken windows, too. No, he was he was big on stop and frisk. He was, well, he was, he was, he was subjective harassment opposed to outright institutional harassment. <laughs> which is better, I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah. What's, at the end of the day, I guess we'll just have to count how many bodies there are, you know, and, and see who see who had the better plan. And also, I do find it interesting that you reinstitute broken windows and suddenly it looks like attacks and, uh, and conflicts with the police are skyrocketing through the roof. Well, you know, the... Uh, the, the, the Without the, broken windows, Eric Garner doesn't happen. Well, that's true. And and that's that's a misapplication of broken windows. They went too far. Selling Lucy's on the corner. Well, that's exactly what broken windows is, though. I mean, yeah, that's... I know. No, yeah, I know. But they went too far. It's it's like, you know, you can they, when you arrest the same guy that many times, of course, there's going to be some. Kickback. So here's how I'm going to say it now. And I, but, but now, Bill Bratton is killing police officers. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he wants them dead. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he often expresses his disdain for for the rank and file policeman. You know, I mean, yeah. that's that's what he's all about is is hating cops. Yeah. You're crazy. You're <laughs> a crazy person. And and uh, you could also blame blame all this uh, racial disharmony on the fact that uh, we have a mayor with who's in a biracial relationship because that's when the shit really started to hit the fan. Well, no, the shit really hit the fan because you suddenly had a mayor's office who wasn't just giving a blank check to the police. Mm-hmm. In my attitude. And I, I've had a real problem with the police rhetoric lately. I, I really have. It's this idea that every single cop walking the streets is a hero simply because they do a job in which a heroic activity might occur. Yeah. Which I think, frankly, disintegrates the very name of the word hero. And in addition, it also kind of creates this idea that they can act with almost complete impunity because to question them is to question the very foundation of our society. And yet... You've now got broken windows where they are arresting people for piddly little shit like drinking alcohol on the corner. And, ca- and they're taking guns off the streets, but go ahead. They are at the same time, but you're also creating this almost... a bicycler on the, on the sidewalk. They, they, they got a guy for that, and he had a gun. Yeah, they But they're trying to get a gun from and this also, guy. And also, keep in mind, the ability to frisk somebody when you stop them is in no way, on a, is in no way ever been sanctioned as a tool for investigation. It's been sanctioned as a tool for individual safety. It's being utilized now as that. So it's kind of pissing on the Fourth Amendment, but that's a rather boring legal argument I'll have with some other lawyers. And um, the other real reality of it is, but at the same time, you're seeing an uptick in police assaults. You're seeing a outright 
disdain for the police in a vast majority of communities in New York that that I think is directly attributable to this broken windows policy. Well, the crime rate is 60% lower, 60% compared with the average rates of five of the, of, of the state's other major cities. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and here's the other thing. Based on what, Comstat? People in the communities want this kind of policing. People, the very people that you say their rights are being violated, they go, please keep these people, we don't like it when they're around here, hanging around, drinking in front of our, our, our store. Which is why they were marching all over the streets, protesting police activity in Eric Garner all through December and January. No, they were mad that somebody, you know, got yeah. killed. I mean, to me, that's... And they were also marching for Ferguson. Yeah, they were. I mean, but that seemed to me... That Keep your Missouri out of a, my fucking New yeah, York City. Yeah, but that seems to be a, a vocal opposition to what they view as police harassment. Which, it is, which but they want both. They want they want you to, to please arrest people that are drinking in front of our building. Please don't Who choke, are these people please, that want that? Please don't choke them to death. That's what they want. They, yeah, they well, want they want them arrested, but they don't or, or taken away. They want that to stop. People who own the, the stores, people who live in the neighborhoods, yeah, they course. want this kind of policing. Yeah, they want the drug dealers gone. Yeah, everybody Clean up does. the city, and this isn't getting rid of them. Well, city city council speaker uh, Melissa Mark Viverito does not have the support of the entire city council. Uh, Councilman Donovan Richards. That's a Democrat from Queens. He said, public urination, I want to say I'm leaning towards no on that one. <laughs> if you're a repeat offender, like a serial pisser on the street, like this is what you do, you just go around marking your territory, perhaps you need to go to jail. I thought that was a strong quote. A serial pisser. That's really, <laughs> like, like, like I, I didn't realize this was a culture of people. I mean, uh, I live in Queens. This is concerning. Councilman Rafael Espinal said, I don't think anyone should be arrested or ticketed or ticketed for drinking on their stoop. I agree with that. 100%. Drinking on the stoop. You know, provided you're not yelling at people when they walk by and shit like that. I don't know why. Which, Even of course, if, if you didn't have a beer, you could do that. Well, uh, I suppose <laughs> you could. Uh, an angry fifth grader, news story, okay. sprayed her teacher with pepper spray, causing chaos in class, <laughs> sending six kids to the hospital. Kid is now known as a hero. <laughs> Hey, it's better than a school shooting. Hell yeah. I, there's a couple of teachers that I would do this to to this day. Now, for an NYC crime report, extra obvious witness statement. <laughs> I give you Mother Stephanie Davis. Interviewed in regards to the incident involving pepper spray being released inside the fifth grade classroom, Stephanie Davis offered the following. I was in shock because I send my child to learn, and this is what happens when she's supposed to be learning. This is an elementary school. This shouldn't be happening. Thank you, Stephanie Davis, <laughs> for, for your that obvious. obvious reminder. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a woman who had to get off the couch and leave her stories. <laughs> Only because day. she saw cameras on her front lawn. Well, yeah, she had to. <laughs> she had to. This is where the guy wanted to, to check the gas meter. Forget it. She had, she well, she had to go down to the uh, school and get her kid. Yeah. She's like, what the hell's going on here? I had shit to do. There wasn't this. Ah. Emergency workers evaluated 16 patients. They transported six to area hospitals following the incident. Washed their eyes and sent them home. Yeah, they were all fine. You know, uh, yeah, I, that that would be the other thing, though. It's like, uh, it, if, if don't shoot up the school, pepper spray, clear the classroom. <laughs> it's it's bad. It's bad enough. That's a fifth grade Makes version. Makes point. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a New York City crime fact: in New York City, teenagers are responsible for about forty percent of the shootings. Just a reminder that when something bad happens to someone young, well, you know. <laughs> a woman escaped a rape attempt in the Bronx. That's good news. But then the guy shot and killed her in the street. Oh. That's bad. Ex-con, 39-year-old West Spruill, made a good faith attempt to rape the director 
of a Bronx homeless shelter. Although he wasn't successful in raping her, he did manage to force her at gunpoint to take off her clothes. And I believe I believe you get full credit for that, right? If he's for convicted, yeah. Well, yeah, aggravated yeah. sexual assault. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You've 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 crossed the Rubicon, if yeah. you will. Uh, she ran naked out of the car, stumbled, and he stood over her and pulled the trigger. Thirty-nine-year-old Wes Spruill blasted Anna Charles in the head on 237th Street, a few paces from the railroad tracks by the river, leaving 36-year-old Anna Charles dead in her birthday suit in Wakefield. Like rain on your wedding day. Naked on the brutal outcome of a Bronx rape gone bad. Uh, Charles uh, was a director of a Project Renewal Shelter, which houses 108 men, 24 of whom are sex offenders. That's a dangerous place. These homeless shelter workers, even the ones that don't work in the sex offender shelters, these people are fucking heroes to me. These are heroes. These, I mean, these, these, I mean, honestly. Just because they work someplace where something heroic might happen. Because it happens almost every day. I, I donate quite a bit, actually, to uh, homeless uh, prevention agencies at our firm. And um, I've been to these well, My shelters. head is spinning around right yeah, now. Well, you know. If I had a wig, it would fly off. <laughs> what do you, you donate. Yes, yes. To homeless shelters. Well, I mean, the tax, tax implications. Tax, of are, course, yeah, yes. Um, but, you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Still, and though. because I care, but uh, no, it's uh, no. I, <laughs> These I are actually, the ones that you do care about. This is the, yeah, yeah. Homeless has has always been an issue. I've always bothered. And I've visited a lot of these shelters, mm-hmm. and even on like their tours. I mean, they're 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 bursting at the seams. They're inadequately staffed because of budget cutbacks. Every mayor has changed the homeless policy. They have no consistency, and I mean the the tours I've been, the visits I've been. Every time there's been some sort of incident that put these people at risk, and they're literally. I mean, social workers and just church volunteers trying to pull people off of each other because the insane are here. The there's sex no screening. The sex offenders. Full I mean, quarter it's, of them are sex offenders. It, it is. It is a very dangerous place in the New York this City. West Bruel, he, he was a resident of the shelter from June until and he January. Looks familiar. I'm wondering if in my legal days, legal aid days, I didn't cross his path as well, his attorney at one point. You know, maybe you did. Uh, you know, he, 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 he. I think that he might have had a little uh, grudge to settle. You know. That nudged his resentment into explosive rage because, mm. you know, he, he knew he was coming there to get. He had a he had a uh, license plate number written down and a little piece yeah. of you know yeah. Well, uh, here's a witness account. There was a shot, then some more shots, then a final shot. Said one witness who wished not to be named, possibly embarrassed by his inability to count. <laughs> he came running up the hill and ran down the street and into the car wash, where the police arrested him. All right. No telling who you might meet. In court, uh, the assistant DA described the killing in detail. The victim fell to the ground. The defendant stood over her, uh, shooting her multiple times. Do you do you know that area up there in the Bronx? I don't. I don't. I I don't know this project. Uh, it's Project Renewal, right? Project Renewal. Yeah, I don't know that one specifically, but I mean, you know, I, as I said, I know quite a few of the homeless agencies, um, and I know there are ones that. Because they can't put sex offenders in ordinary shelters, there's ones that are designated special sex offender shelters. Oh, okay. That I did not know. Yeah. Um, well, because, you know, children are allowed in the other ones. Oh, yeah, right. And, there was, and, and there's the one, the, the shelter for men that, that we, we actually talked about. You know, that's like uh, down on uh, Murray Hill area. Yeah, yeah. Kips Bay. 
Might have been a lot of them there. That's, it seems like a recipe for disaster, but I guess it's a nightmare. Want, yeah, it's a nightmare. It's 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 really it's really a bad scene, and a lot of them have to register, and you have to give an address to register, and you know you're giving shelters, and it's it's no this this homeless situation in New York is an absolute powder cake. Well, and and you know uh, like they would prefer to be homeless than to be then uh, in the shelters sometimes because the a shelters lot of people are, do yes you get stabbed you know like. I've represented I've rep- one of my biggest cases was uh was an assigned case and it was. Um, it was a stabbing in a homeless shelter. Hmm. And, well, uh, and it was a worker actually got pretty significantly hurt. The but, cops uh, found a forty caliber handgun in his backpack. What was the dispute over, by the way? Mine? Well, what's actually happens at these shelters is is there's, there's uh, some of the thugs or the gangs, if you will, know that these guys will get either VA checks or Social Security checks, and they'll actually go and they'll rob the individual homeless people. Oh, my God. And they, they went to rob this uh, client of mine who happened to be a... Silver Star winner for the U.S. Marine Corps had done Delta Force missions in uh, in uh, Laos and Cambodia during Nam, mm-hmm. and no uh, pushover. Yeah, no, no pushover, and uh, suffered from severe PTSD and slept with a nine-inch diving knife under his pillow. So when they went to rob him, he jabbed a blade square through one's throat, slashed the other one's face near off, and when the shelter worker tackled him to stop him, he flipped him over his back and pounded him with the uh, brass knuckle part of the knife. Okay. Wow. Um, So, yeah. I can see where he would have that kind of reaction, but is that legally uh, warranted? Well, I mean, you know, you're a police officer. You come in, there's one guy with a knife sticking out of his throat, the other one's face hanging off, and one shelter worker's face has been bashed in. Yeah. It looks bad. Yeah. And so they arrested Uh, my guy. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, they arrested. We we did win that on self-defense. No kidding. Yeah, we did win that on self-defense and uh, not guilty, because when the shelter worker attacked him, and, and, and I actually talked to the shelter worker who was... I mean, this is amazing. This guy really took a beating, uh-huh. and he was still on the side of my client. Wow. He was st- I mean, that's how dedicated they were to their jobs. So, yeah, he was still on the side of my client, but uh, he took he took one holy hell of a beating. But, I mean, you know, it was, it was you know, it's at that point, my guy had no idea if it was just another attacker or if it was somebody trying to help, and he was in a full-on commando rage. Yeah, if you so will. I respect that, Yeah, you know, to say you would testify properly even though you got your face beat in. I saw him the other day. Actually, he was sleeping in the parking garage where I parked my car near district court, and I said hello to him, and he told me to fuck off, <laughs> which is pretty much what he did through the whole representation. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not an easy job all the time. Uh, uh, well, you know, at least you have the gratitude of your clients. Yeah. <laughs> Sproul had been living in the Project Renewal Shelter for seven months. He, he did live there for the, for those seven months. Now, city, of, uh, like I said, from June to, and, until uh, you know uh, January. Now, city officials, according to Daily News, have been alerted to the need for more security at the shelter, as you said. Yeah. 24 sex offenders. Uh, from January to March this year alone, ooh, I can't emphasize it, 175 911 calls generated out of the shelter. That's that's about what ten a month. That's, that's actually more than ten a month. That's uh, oh, it's way more. I'm yeah, talking yeah. January to March, oh, 175. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's like thirty a, a month. That's like a dozen that's a night four, or something. Yeah. I don't know, but that, yeah, I mean that's what I mean. Like even you know like, they're giving tours to their donors, and these things are happening. There were also uh, 911 175 calls. Now, since the director of the facility was nearly raped and shot uh, naked in the street, uh, three unarmed. Peace officers and a supervisor have been dispatched to the shelter. We are shocked by this horrific death because you want to get the mayor's opinion. That's what he says. Our thoughts and prayers are with Anna Charles' family, friends, and fellow homeless service workers, and Jim Polk, ensuring their safety is of utmost importance to us. Well, I mean, 
I, I don't work at a homeless shelter. One shelter. Nor am resident. I going to. <laughs> I'm no hero, Pat. She didn't deserve that, said Randy Rivera, 27 of Charles. She was a sweetheart, a beautiful woman inside and out. Well, sounds like he had intimate knowledge. <laughs> Sproul has in the past been convicted of attempted murder and assault with a dangerous weapon for which he served 11 years. During a parole hearing in 2003, he was asked if he had anything to say. All I have to say is that you and everybody in this room can suck a horse's cock and kiss my ass. Spur responded, I ain't got nothing to say. Ah. Yeah, He's a charming fella. Parole uh, was denied. Didn't he Didn't he have an outburst at his arraignment, too? Yeah. Yeah. He did. He said, uh, he, he said that he wanted to represent himself. Yes. <laughs> Stupid ass. But that doesn't go too good when people represent themselves. No, but he also, I thought he said some other stuff about this, too. Like, I demand to speak and all sorts of no, things. No, yeah. He just said that that's not my lawyer. And, and, mm. and he's, you know, and then he, but the, the, the main point was, yes, that, you know, I am, I'm going to represent myself. Mm. That's going to be another interesting one if they let him. I don't know if they're going to let him. I, I don't I'm, know if he's going to actually go through with it. I mean, I'm guessing a judge will probably order what's called the 730-30 exam, which is determined if he's uh, mentally fit to stand trial. Yeah, well, the guy who represented himself, and you guys, uh, you you may remember, uh, you know, the, he he was a child molester who who questioned oh, yes, his own yes. son on the stand, got himself 176 years. He was sentenced, so he did well. Yeah, he did very well in his trial. <coughs> Excuse me he he questioned his son on the stand, asked probing legal questions like, "Do you love your father?" Sentenced to. Oh, excuse me, 76 years. Did I say 176? You said 176. You, you, you start throwing these numbers around with yeah, some of these people. Yeah, it gets confusing. If he, by the way, if he would have taken the plea deal, he would have done eight. <laughs> <laughs> you know how good that makes a lawyer feel? Yeah. I feel like you're really <laughs> yeah, do it, doing something valuable. No, it really yeah, it you, really makes you feel like, you know, it's like, because you, you want to go visit this asshole if you were the fired lawyer who got the eight. Yeah. And just go, so, how'd that work out? Mm. But then you're going to go, oh, hey, child molester, you know. Good. Irrelevant. Good. Utterly irrelevant. Oh. <laughs> I forget. You don't care. Yeah. You don't care about these things. I, uh, in court, a violent Brooklyn drug gang on trial for trafficking drugs and whores. And a judge has ruled their hip-hop videos can be used as evidence against them in court. The Together Forever Mafia, facing racketeering charges, has uploaded titles like Smell Murder, Hustler Anthem, and TF Mafia, My Mob. Also one called Brooklyn Zoo, boo. But I don't think that's... I think TF Mafia, My Mob, that sounds like, you know, that sounds like, you know, like a school song. The whole <laughs> thing to me. Nice. It's a, it's like real Three Musketeers shit. Yeah, yeah. Together like, forever. My Mob, My Mob. <laughs> my glorious mob. <laughs> well, Judge uh, Kiyo Matsumoto. Do you know Judge Matsumoto? I do not. I don't. I haven't been doing a lot of federal court lately. Well, the court finds that excerpts of videos de depicting the defendants with firearms, cash, and drugs are highly probative to the weapons-related charges, narcotics trafficking, and money laundering charges. Matsumoto wrote in the decision. He says, "Like, look, clearly they're drug dealers. Look, they're doing it in the video." Obviously, they That's didn't. That's terrifying. Said, but it's, it's good logic. He says, "Obviously, they didn't earn that stack of money with this terrible music." <laughs> I don't think he said that, but that's what he's saying. No, if they were, not. But yeah, in a way, it is because yeah, if they right. were Cypress Hill, they wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, 
or you know whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen Cypress Hill waving around money and drugs and guns. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But they do it so well that yeah. it's like clearly. No, see, there's I mean, a difference. The if, problem if, with if this rappers is who do crimes and and criminals who do rap. This is this is highly prejudicial and not nearly as probative as they like to make it. And that's the standard you look for when you're admitting ancillary evidence like this. And mm-hmm. believe me, we should all be worried about this. Just the shit we say on this show alone, if any one of us was ever accused of something, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, uh, yeah. could really come back to these bite w- us These in words the are just props. It's, it's part of the gangsta uh, style, you know. Is it, though? I mean, I mean, that's my point, though, is you're using, you're using artistic expression, no matter how much you don't like it, mm-hmm. uh, to, to prove something that, that's required proof beyond a reasonable doubt. You're essentially forcing them to defend themselves on things they're not even charged with. Um, this, is the, this is the pro forma standard in federal court now. You can pretty much just admit any old piece of shit evidence they don't really care anymore but it's a very scary thing well the defendants may offer evidence at trial says the judge that the weapons cash and drugs depicted are quote props see but it is up to the jury to weigh this evidence and decide what is depicted she stated in essence they're gonna say what who us those are props and if you want to believe that bullshit totally up to you fucking stupid judge it's just these 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 it's judicial incompetence right there i mean it's it's exactly what you're not supposed to allow happen the very nature of what new york we call the molino standard is um is being completely violated by that idea because you're essentially forcing the defendants to try a case of crimes they're not even charged with they're forcing them to put on a defense of of a video they made they're right. not being charged with that. Well, I mean, they are. They're being no, they're charged. being charged with weapons trafficking. Yeah, but that they're... they're not alleging the video is actually have anything to do with the weapons trafficking. It's trying to make it more probative that they're the kind of people that would. That is exactly the standard that that is supposed to be prevented. Well, we actually have uh, in this case a slightly different situation because not all these videos seem to be for. Uh, like, let's put it this way. Uh, she says the video does not appear to be to have been produced for entertainment or promotional purposes. That's where we're talking about uh, a, a traffic stop, a video. It seems like reality TV, and then people talking to attorneys and things like that. Uh, well, let me spell like a footage of a car stop in which drugs are found in Rivera's car. Uh, definitely not staged. So this is a, this is not art. Uh, Daily News uh, says excerpts of the video show uh, Michael Garrett discussing the arrest of those in the car with a lawyer. So whoever got arrested, he's discussing that with a lawyer and Garrett's girlfriend discussing whether any of them may be cooperating with law enforcement. So uh, expressing concern to your lawyer is it part of the gangster rap genre? No, that is. That is um, stupidity, and that's probably probative. But all this shit about them holding guns and money in a rap video—that's really not. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a distinction here. For example, one of the one of the funnier cases I've I've ever seen. It was actually made it all the way, I believe, to New York's highest court. Was uh, some guys who got busted on a cold case murder because they rapped about details of the crime only the murderer would have known. Oh, that's great. And, I mean, that's obviously probative evidence. Yeah. But, I mean, mean, you know, I mean, and obviously things about a car stop and intimidating witnesses, if they're charged with that, that's obviously probative, but... And they are singing sometimes about details of, like, murders and shit like that, you know? But if these murders aren't the ones they're being charged with and they have no probative value, that's highly prejudicial. Okay. In addition to uh, trafficking crack and weed, they're also charged with sex trafficking of underage girls uh, and grown-ups and witness tampering. So are they drug dealers who rap or are they rappers who deal drugs? I think they're just young, energetic businessmen and women 
who uh, they throw a few things out there. They figure whatever catches, that's what they'll go with. Venture capital. It's probably going to be the drug dealing. According to the uh, Daily News, it's the latest in a growing body of cases nationwide in which defendants who rap about criminal conduct on video see it come back to bite them. In 2014, Gowanus House's drug kingpin Ronald Rodigs Heron was convicted to three life sentences plus 105 years after another Brooklyn judge allowed videos Diggs made of uh, violence against a, a hip-hop background. So uh, is there any difference in recording it and selling it and just uploading it on YouTube in public? Like, what if you just record the music and it's just as informative, potentially, uh, as, as the video, but it's, you know, it's intended to be purchased? Well, it's it's, I mean... If you're either releasing it for purchase or if you're releasing it for free, it doesn't matter because what you're what you're delving into is a is a right to privacy, and you're basically forsaking it either way. Your right to privacy and what you say in these things. Um, as for probative value, I mean the Diggs Heron thing. I remember watching that, and that was actually even worse than this case because those videos really they couldn't tangibly tie to anything he actually was being tried with. Mm-hmm. They just showed that he's the kind of guy who has a proclivity to do that. And yeah, I mean look at. I question the intelligence of any drug dealer who had, which should know the police are on him and then bothers to rap about being a drug dealer because now it's obviously the, the, our, 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 our artistic rights are being kind of trampled on right, left, and sideways here by the courts. Yeah, and it's, it's drug dealer rights too. Well, you're, no, your artistic license rights. I mean, honestly, it's, it's so, you know, I mean, the, the implication of this is like, say, Say, you know, I'm accused of sexual assault and then all the stuff I've said on these shows commenting on these things about how I don't think this one was or I do think this one was are suddenly used against me. I have to defend my opinions on all those. I'm fighting five different trials at once, not actually what I'm being accused with. You have a highly proclivative of of convicting me based on the things I said. It's well, very prejudicial stuff. Yeah, I, then I really appreciate you coming on even <laughs> more so than before. It says there's such a high likelihood that you will be at some point arrested for sexual assault. Oh, and five. The, uh, they never got me in. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, charged with, uh, these are two, the defendants, Michael Garrett and Paul Rivera, charged with running a crack business out of Brownsville. Uh, I, lo- I love how, like, uh, how formal they make this. They're charged with operating a uh, crack enterprise. Yes. <laughs> they Before fran- they went public with it. Now, the video yeah. does not appear to have been produced for entertainment purposes, I said. So that's the big difference. Everyone's a I, critic. I think that's a ridiculous distinction too that 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 to me is completely irrelevant you think Whether so it's, i a hundred percent so if you have a video up confessing no, to no, no crimes not if you're confessing to the crimes what they're saying here is 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 oh, the video that they confess on sure that always comes in that's 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 easy mm-hmm. but like if you're making videos to like show your friends but not release for entertainment purposes that aren't probative to what you actually did i don't think that's I well think what if that they're on youtube who gives a shit well then, you know it's it's out there. It's public information. So so, how can you say like okay? You can't a- introduce it at a trial though. Lots well, of stuff are public information. That's why you spend the time with the jury, telling them that you can't read articles about this, and why we've warned deer on a many case about well, reading there's articles just a about limit this. to how much you defense attorneys can bend reality. And we're not bending it's, reality. It's, we're enforcing go, rights. It's some, very very simple. At some point, people go, "Oh wow, this is total bullshit." The reality of the situation is that uh, you know mm-hmm. they. Uh, are basically saying we did all this no stuff, unfortunately yeah. pat though we don't try things in where they present them to you 
and you determine if you think they're guilty or not based on everything you've seen. We try things based on procedure, rights, and a constitution. But not anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, but we're getting less on that, yes. Yeah, that's and that's what I'm saying. There comes a point where common sense intervenes no, that's with, not with your ability this to... Is, this is abject... This is this is judicial tyranny, is what this is. Trouble this downstairs. is outright fascism. An MTA motorman, miraculously unhurt, showered with sparks from explosions on the tracks of an IRT Lexington line in the Bronx. Placed on the track, a metal garbage can. When motorman uh, moved the can using a third rail paddle, a third rail paddle, that the can touched an electrified conductor, creating a series of explosions. A group has claimed responsibility. <laughs> According to a video uploaded onto the internet network on something called YouTube, transit-obsessed miscreants placed the can on the tracks. A gang of vandals who wreak havoc in the tunnels. A video record their vandalistic deeds and shamelessly promote their law-breaking activities by uploading the footage onto internet network websites. Very similar to TF Mafia, but you can't tap your foot to it. Well, except for this is also seeming like more like an outright confession here. They're called the Subway... Conquesters. And these people are the worst people in the world oh. because they make your trains late. Oh, they've broken into subway cabs with stolen keys. Yeah, terrible people. Like mis like mischievous raccoons. They they surf <laughs> on top of trains and they and they steal signs, all while wearing sweatshirts purchased from the gift shop of the New York City Transit Museum. That's ah, as if to just add insult to injury. One of the conquesters was arrested. And uh, that was for putting a couple of uh, metal objects on, on the train tracks. Then when the train arrived, kaboom, nobody was injured. But it's only a matter of time. These conquesters are up to no good. We had a listener comment. Uh, Nate Fridson owes me a birch beer uh, from Tom Hanauer. He said his tuba remark made me spit soda out of my mouth. I was always wondering who the hell's drinking birch beer? I've had birch beer. Well, I've had it. But I don't have it. I don't even know where to buy it anymore. I, I, I've never, I haven't seen birch beer in years. When we used to go to the, we used to go to a cabin in Pennsylvania. Um, they used to sell it at a store near there. I would get it there. But you know, who, you know who liked birch beer? Who was that? Eaton Pates. Did he? Aton Potts. Uh, jury uh, was was deadlocked, and a mistrial has been declared. Uh, the, the trial went on for a while. They, yeah. they they deliberated for three weeks. I'd like to point out who called this one. Yes, you did. You gave me advance word on that as yes. they were deliberating. Pedro Hernandez uh, gets to, uh, I guess, remain free um, for a well, while. It's, Is he it's, free uh, right now? It determines if they're... No, he'd probably be... Uh restored to whatever custodial status he is while the DA has about 30 days to decide what they're going to do, if they're going to retry it or if they're going to uh, just not The DA it. is going to re retry it. They, I would think they, they're going to. They wanted to set another date immediately, and uh, they, they wanted to set a date to set a date. Which I think is fun. Well, welcome to court. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, I know what that means. They want to set a control date. The uh, the the uh, there was only one holdout to deadlock the jury. His name was Adam Sirois, forty two. He's a consultant for an international healthcare strategy firm. And get that stuff right out into the news. He held out to acquit. He held out saying he didn't think that he did. Yes. Yeah. And I thought, not sure he's wrong. On this one, he may be. Why do you say so? This is an interesting one. This this case is a, this case I was really fascinated by because you have a confession, 
but you have almost the blueprint for the kind of guy who's likely to make a false confession, mm-hmm. and you have the circumstances where a false confession is very easy to occur. Pedro Hernandez is, I killed him. Right. I, I, it's drinking him. It reads like a false confession from the ones I've seen. In Indeed. addition, there's another guy who they have pretty decent evidence against that up until they caught Pedro Hernandez and even after they caught Hernandez, most people still believed it was this other guy. Ramos, and yes. Hernandez himself has made so many confessions to this crime, and I suspect others, that nobody even really believed him for the years that he was saying he did stuff like this. He's that kind of weirdo. Well, the the confessions were always, I killed a kid back in 79. Yeah. And he might have. He may have. I mean, it's... So so you think that they... So it's funny, because you're saying that it's an interesting case that you can see why they would acquit, but at the same time, you think he did it. I don't know if he did it. I'm not sure he did. Ramos always seemed like the better suspect to me. Well, he does to me too. He he's, he yeah. pretty much admi- he, he he does admit he later recanted, but he said I saw the kid that they had tried to fuck him and he wouldn't do it, so I put him on a train to Washington yeah. Heights. What a weird story, is right? You, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ramos was always the one that I liked. Hernandez's confession is, in my opinion, very general, and there's nothing evidentiary to back it up. You know, and could it be possible? Could it be possible that Ramos did put the kid on the train and after not having sex with him, and then that kid just like some serendipitous, yeah, somebody else got him? You know, I mean, it's it was a, it was a rough town. Obviously possible. I mean, it's obviously that's possible. It'd be a, a hell of a coincidence, and I mean, the stars had really aligned against poor little Eton that day. I yeah, mean, let's face it. Well, um, Jose Ramos was a you know because I would think avoiding lived... a rape is one of the best things that could happen to you, and only to walk into the hands of a murder. Yeah, well, well, since when do child molesters take no for an answer? Well, I mean, that's yeah. Ramos is Ramos always seemed like the better um, suspect. He's, for me. He looks like pure evil. He talks like pure evil, and and every year Stan Stan uh, his Eton's uh, father Stan Potts writes a letter to to mm-hmm. Jose Ramos in his prison cell saying what did you do to my boy yeah what did you do to my boy and that's happened every single year I wonder if that's on the anniversary going. yeah that's what i was wondering i wonder if he's going to do that now because because see stan at the beginning of the trial did mm-hmm. not believe that pedro hernandez did it now firmly convinced that the, the the hung jury's fucking with his head he doesn't like it he says pedro hernandez did this and he wanted the closure i was in court when they played the um when they played the confession, I actually I, I yeah strangled him and he sent me the sound. And what's interesting about the confession is, is it obviously came after quite a bit of interrogation. There were six at, hours before they right. even turned on the recorder. Yeah, and Fishbein made a big deal about that. That's Fishbein being uh, Pates's lawyer. Uh-huh. Um, Fishbein made a big deal about that. But what I found really fascinating is there's six hours before they turn on the recorder, and this guy, as I said, he's ripe for a false confession, and. Um, what I don't hear in this confession when they're playing it is you don't hear the officer asking the leading questions, trying to get the details you'd want to know if something were true or not. Uh. You don't hear. He's like, he's like, I strangle him. When you strangled him, how did you strangle him? Show me how you strangled him. Mm-hmm. Tell me in detail how you strangled him. How long did it take for him to go out? Um, did you did you restrain him in any way first? Did you tie him up? If you did, what did you tie him up with? Now, you say you put him in a trash can. Tell me exactly where that trash can was. Yeah. What was he wearing? What, did you take anything from him? These questions aren't asked. It's almost just this weird narrative of, and then what happened? And then what happened? Yeah. It, it's, those are the things that make it... It smelled... This, the confession smelled rotten to me. Well, now, I have more experience in that than probably your average juror or civilian, but it didn't seem right. Well, they had... 
it was it was in the papers the way they had glad handed him through the whole thing they had like very yeah. much like like okay they, they one guy was like but with downright sweet to him you know as the good cop so as like, they often okay. will be when somebody's that willing to confess and that that's not bad policing i mean that no, makes after sense. six hours you know uh yeah yeah it seemed a little uh it, it, like he like he was just ready to go but i mean it's it's another thing like i still it's it's hard for me to comprehend a false confession I, and i know that you yeah. said that you know you, you you get it because you've seen these six I, I can't imagine saying you did something you didn't do you should read uh, about a murder robert offshay's book about false confessions it's it's yeah. really the seminal treaty on the idea of false confessions and how they how they um, um, how they occur. Well, I'd like to, before we uh, get out of here today, discuss some of these cases, uh, other juries, uh, other, actually some judge shit, a 30-year-old, a 38-year-old man sentenced to 184 years. We covered this in the last episode with Mandy Stadler. around 200. Yeah, uh, he'll be fine. Uh, it was for statutory rape of his then 13-year-old girlfriend and shooting video footage. Uh, now that was uh, Mario uh, Valdeviezo, and he most likely spent, well, yeah, like you said. But uh, it says in the story, the defendant was a co-worker of the victim's mother, and uh, he, the, he developed a sexual relationship with the teen, went on for three years. It was a three-year rape. A lot of guys can't stay in a rape that long, and uh, it's hard to make a rape last, you know, Jim. But the victim was 13 when it began. He also pimped her out. Yeah. Filming some of the sex acts. The defendant also, uh, the defendant and the victim they both, uh, you know, shot video footage from time to time. And then after three years, they wrapped shooting. So 184 years he gets for this. Uh, and that seems like a, I mean, I'm not, of course, you know, I mean, like, you just hear about people who do worse shit. You do. And they don't get as much time. So is this just a matter of the law being, well, it's not really about the impact. It's like you just count up the things that he can be found guilty of and that's the way the math works out i mean look at sex abuse of any kind gets emotionally charged and and if you you and i have known from our long history on this show with with uh, judge del judas mm -hmm. he's never been one to evade being emotionally charged vincent del judas i mean you know his 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 interactions with uh, maxim gelman more or less built this show uh, and, <laughs> well that was yeah it was an early case so yeah. maxim gelman uh yeah. he told him uh that he could suck his dick Suck my Russian dick. Do you have anything to say for yourself? He was about to send him to, what, 275 Something years? Something like that, yeah. He says, do you have anything to say for yourself? Maxime Gellman says, you can suck my Russian dick. And, and Del Judas says, uh, I respectfully decline your offer. Mm -hmm. Oh, he doesn't have a southern accent. Yes, he does. Yeah, no, he does now, he was uh, very lenient in this other case. Back in January, a repeat sex offender. He was a real soft touch. Yeah. Uh, he. This was a, a frauderist, a guy who gets sexual pleasure... Because uh, he had this, this disorder. Uh, actually, what, frauderism is the practice of achieving sexual stimulation by touching and rubbing against a person without the person's consent, usually in a public place. And it comes from uh, the French, frauder. Well, I, I, I think the nature of, um, of the rubbing against... I mean, I think to a certain extent we all get a certain sexual stimulation from rubbing against somebody we find attractive. No, I mean... I think it's the without consent seems to make this a sexual disorder. I suppose, yeah. yeah it's it's, it's a, not the rubbing that's the yeah. problem, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's, uh, it's the fact that, yeah. And so so if you ever... I was saying, if you ever get attacked, the way it's like, you know, ladies, if if, you, if it's a frauderist, you, you just give it to me, yeah. You know, and then he was like, fuck you. That's, yeah, I guess that's the idea behind this is he sort of dries up the minute it's consensual. Yeah. But uh, I but I doubt that it works out quite that easily. Yeah, I don't... I My, my hunch is, is that, well, you know, 
This comes out of uh, the DSM 4.5, the latest of the diagnostic uh, statistical manual put out by the American Psychiatric Association. And they've got some Rotterism. real, uh, uh, to, to use a down-home phrase, they've got some real humdingers in there, Pat. <laughs> well, I, I enjoy a good humdinger. We have uh, a 292.89, uh, and, and these are some of the things that you can be diagnosed with, yes, uh, according yes. to the DSM. Caffeine-induced sleep disorder. What is that? Well, well, here, uh, give me, give me one second. I looked this up. Okay, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's informative because I was. Now, is there any way you could use this as a defense in a crime? That would be the thing. Uh, yeah, say, I, oh, I mean, I, I haven't quite grasped. I had to kill her. I have caffeine-induced sleep disorder. Yeah, I haven't quite uh, figured out how we're going to do that yet, but. Um... <laughs> What caffeine-induced sleep disorder is, and this is this is this is from the DSM four. Uh-huh. I couldn't find the five one yet. I guess you have to buy it. Um, it is there is a significant inability to sleep, which is caused entirely by the physiological effect of caffeine, proven entirely by an examination. It sounds like a side effect of caffeine. Well, yes, one might think no, but it's see here's 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 the first problem I have with this. What's the difference between an inability to sleep versus a significant inability to sleep? It seems like the ends are result is the same. You're I, not sleeping. Well, I think it's 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 only significant if you've got shit to do the next day. Yeah, right. Otherwise, it's not significant. And then the other is it has to be proven by an examination. So I guess by theory, you're supposed to when you can't sleep and you've had caffeine, you better call your doctor. Difficult to mount rush defense. down there in the middle of the night and determine if this is caffeine induced sleep uh, disorder. And yes, I just thought of how I could use this. Let's take a, a hell. Oh, okay. Duh. <laughs> we'll have to talk about oh. that another time. How about uh, we have conduct disorder. Uh, along with disruptive behavior disorder, those are separate disorders. Well, no, there's disruptive behavior disorder not fitting other behavior disorders. <laughs> that's that's how that title effectively reads. And, and oh, from just what other. That, essentially, this one reads like uh, conduct that is repeatedly disruptive and seems to be impulsive, which it's it's also under the definition of ADHD, which is very popular for kids to have. And then the other one seems to be if you're disruptive, but it doesn't seem like ADHD, you've got the other one. <laughs> Sibling relational problem. Yes, this is this is when uh, this is. I looked this up as well. This is when you have. Um, give me one second here. Uh -huh. I, I have to find these. You know, if you've got a sibling, it's giving you a hard time. Yeah, this maybe, is this maybe is when you, you have, have sibling a, relational problem. You have a dysfunction in the relationship uh, that is significant and entirely caused by the nature of the relationship being your sibling. I'm sorry. Which really, it basically, if you have a problem with your sibling, you have this. But it has to be it has to be caused because of the nature of the familial relationship, not just your sibling's a bitch. Okay, take note, people. It's not that easy. Yeah. Well, Jim, uh, where can we find you? Oh, you can always find me at mazzypolk.com. And where is your uh, website, mazzypolk.com? M-A-Z-Z-E-I-P-O-L-K.com. Well, well, what if I wanted to give you a call? You could call me at 516-280-9035. Wait, okay, wait, wait. 516-930-280. Okay. 916-516-516. You better give it to me again. Yeah, 516 Two eight zero yeah nine zero three five okay, and you can get that phone number uh, at crimereport.nyc. Everything's linked there. You can go there and, and if you want a bail bondsman, Michelle uh, Eskenazi, she she's is there. She's the bail bond queen. Linked on our website, crimereport.nyc. If you want to hear all the old shows, all the shows, you know that, that we've been doing, they're there. If you want something entertaining too, you should follow Michelle on Facebook or Twitter. 
Her she, Facebook in particular is active these yeah, days. Yeah, she uh, she has uh, very strong opinions about uh, bail in New York City. Yeah, you know, she has. Yeah, very. <laughs> she's she's looking out for bail bond queen. And not not uh, not an interested party by any stretch. Very objective opinions. But absolutely, uh, I think she may run for mayor one day. I think she uh, may win. I uh, why would she take a pay cut? I uh, <laughs> don't know. Yeah, she's you know that's how it is with public service. Yeah. You just have to take one for the team. Yeah. So uh, go to crimereport.nyc, go to our show uh, this coming Tuesday, May 12th, go to the show, Broadway Comedy Club, Jim will be there, Nate will be there, that's our, uh, you know, uh, senior Jew correspondent, Nate Fritzen, news whore Mandy Statmiller will be there, and uh, I want to also mention, we have a, a bit of a special episode uh, about the movie Thought Crimes, you know, there's a, yes. there's a cannibal cop movie it's a documentary coming on HBO, and it starts Monday. That's when it debuts. So you want to see that. And, and here are a little uh, a supplemental podcast about it, which I guess is probably going to be out very close to the same time this one is. <laughs> so uh, maybe I hope you enjoy it. But uh, that's a little something extra. I got to see the movie. It's amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen it yet. Well, I think you're going to enjoy it. It, yeah. it does a lot to... Uh, well, well, I'll be talking about that on the next episode. Uh, thought Crimes. So uh, just to, just to plug that. I want you to go to uh, my Twitter. At, oh, oh, I, I know, thank God nobody's listening now. Yeah. Otherwise. But go to uh, the Facebook, New York City Crime Report with Pat Dixon. And uh, Jim, I would say thanks Always for being here. Always a pleasure. And thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. Is it over?